Where all my children are the light Born in the sinning But steady striving to do right My people are warriors All we know is to fight Pray They see God in everything I write yeah. Sarah Jakes Roberts With the fresh face <laughs> Yes ma'am um, thank you so much for doing my on one masterclass. I wanted you to teach me how to pray, how to preach, how to be a 2020 thug. When you're coming in, you're preaching. I've seen what happen with my own eyes. Girl, no. Um, not how you take down the whole house and um, rebuild us again. It is not at all the same thing. But um, my team was like, you're not going to you should just ask her about how we can have hope in these trying times, and then maybe she could teach you how to uh, how to how to pray too. But the main thing I wanted to do is just connect with you. I texted you the other day, and I was just like, "I miss you." Now I, I miss you too. First of all, we were trying to get together before this lockdown happened, and now everything's locked down. I don't know why I'm going to see you again, man. I don't know either. I hope it's soon. At least I get to see you today, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really, really don't know. Um, what do you say to the people who are feeling overwhelmed by um, the not knowingness of it all? Right. Like there are there are people who have decisions to make economically. Um, there are those among us, I think, well, maybe not especially in our community, but I relate to those who are in our community the most who are used to going to the church house on the morning and can't, at least they shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, y'all have been wise about that. There are other, um, shepherds, if that's what we want to call them, who have not been so wise. But what do you say to the folks who are, um, in fear about not knowing? Yeah. I think the unknown is scary. For us all, whether we are in a pandemic or not, yeah. it's certainly heightened when you know that the whole world is in this state of unknowing. I think for me, when I have those moments of uncertainty, it really comes down to knowing what I know for today, right? So even in the model prayer, Jesus just give us this day our daily bread. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't know what tomorrow is going to look like or even six months down the road. But right now, we don't even need to know that information. Sometimes it boils down to, like, what do I know about today? I don't know whether or not I'm going to be able to pay rent at the end of the month, but today I have a roof over my head. And I think that when we live in the moment and the promise of today, that we have creativity and opportunities that help us to prepare better for tomorrow. I think the thief that anxiety is, it blinds us so much from the possibilities of what exists in this moment because we're worried about something that hasn't happened yet or may not happen at all. So as much as I can, I try to make myself be present. Mm -hmm. Um. One of the things I, I just thought about, <clears throat> this is more of my shady question. I'm messing, okay. I'm messing with stuff <laughs> over here. This is my shady question. But um, in addition to the people who may not know, there are, there are those among us um, who think they know it all. And one thing that comes to mind, Sarah, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I've watched this clip so many times because I just can't believe it. So Kenneth Cole. Kenneth Copeland has this moment where I guess he's rebuking the coronavirus. I grew up in church, like in a lot of ways, like parents are uh, Baptist and Catholic. My mom's the Catholic. And I started going to coaching church when I was 16. So I get it. We rebuke a lot of stuff in the church. 
This man for a respiratory illness rebukes coronavirus by blowing right in the mic like this, like spit flying everywhere. And I just have to know, like, <laughs> have you seen, first of all, have you seen this clip? Do you know what I'm talking about? I have Sarah's like, this. I don't want to be in this. I don't want to be in I this. Don't, I don't want to be in this. <laughs> I don't wanna, this is what I will say. I think even down to people who are still having church, right? Yeah. Um, and to your point, my husband, who's the head of our campuses, really made a decision to not, you know, use what we know could be God's provision when we could use our wisdom instead and to really preserve those moments when we need God for when we need God and to activate the ability that we have to make wise decisions. However, to your point, there have been a lot of pastors who felt they had a different unction from God to do and handle things differently. And I think part of one of the things that I've really been intentional about trying to do, especially when it comes to the body of Christ, is even when I don't understand how someone's faith may be functioning for them, is to not make a judgment about it. I mean, uh, Kenneth Copeland has been in ministry longer than I have been alive. And uh, he's got, he, he has a relationship with God that made him, you know, prophesy and act out in a way that some of us may not understand. But I'm just really careful about making sure that I don't mock anyone else's faith, even if I don't understand it. And that's not just for the kingdom. I think that as we seek to really have better interfaith relationships, that though I may not understand the Muslims walk, I may not understand, you know, Judaism fully, I may not understand Hinduism, but to not make a judgment on things I don't understand. And to ask God that he would continue to give them wisdom. I think we make a grave mistake when we make fun of things we should be praying about. If we really think that there's something there that is off, that is leading people down a path that God would give the leader wisdom and those following them wisdom so that we are intentional about not creating more division. That's me. (laughs) Uh Oh, you're mute. I can't hear you. I thought I, I thought I unmuted it. I um I definitely appreciate you, sis, but I <laughs> I can't with that one. I just I can't. Like I'm like, how you gonna blow spit in a microphone and it's a respiratory illness? Like that makes no sense. Anyway. The good um, thing is and you don't have to you know that's you don't have to, but that works for him and his flock it and you know, that's that's where I live my life. Okay, well I'm gonna let I'm gonna let that one go. I'm gonna let that one go. <laughs> Um, is it, have there been any things um, that you've seen from the church where I think right now in particular, you're like, OK, y'all, we need to move a little differently. Like, have, have you all had that or you're just like, I'm just going to focus on me and mine. That's how I'm going to do this. I'm not going to worry about what else is going on and, and, and who else is blowing on microphones or whatever, however else they're choosing to deal with um, coronavirus. And the, I think the fallout from it. Well, I think the perspective that I have that a lot of people may have not experienced is like, I grew up in ministry and I know what it's like to be giving your best effort. And then someone comes along and says, well, your dad didn't do this and your dad didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So I really tried to focus on what I feel God calling me to do in a season. And to be honest, I'm generally so inundated by that, that I am not in a position where I'm able to really say, you know what, well, they need to do this and they need to do that when I'm not sure that I'm doing everything that I need to do. 
And I think that it leaves me open for legitimate criticism because I was focusing on what other people mm. need to do. Um, you know, I think that when we part of the reason why I will always be really intentional about trying to make sure that I maintain unity is if I do see another leader in the church that's doing something that I think they could be doing differently, if I publicly make a judgment about it when I could privately encourage mm-hmm. them to do better. I think I lose the opportunity to really build and offer them a different perspective. I live in an intersection. If, you know, I think when we talk about church, we talk about it as one big group, but there are a lot of divisions even within church. And so I do a lot of stuff in white churches. I do a lot of stuff in black churches. And so I'm often in this intersection where maybe a white church doesn't understand the legitimate issues that exist within the black community because they live in such a bubble. And so when When I use my platform to talk out about those issues, when I use my platform to bring awareness to those issues, I have to have private conversations with them so that they can feel safe enough to have someone say, hey, you need to do better here or you need to see this perspective a little bit differently. And I never want to say anything publicly that that leaves me with no opportunity to speak with someone privately because they've been offended by what I said. But I do think, to your point, that doesn't mean that there isn't room for improvement within the body of Christ, that there isn't room for improvement in church. I just think that because we live in such a loud social media culture that people believe that if you don't say it on social media, then it hasn't been said at all. But I have found that it is more powerful and more impactful when you're able to create a conversation, not an accusation. Well, that's a very good word. But yeah, it is it is deep to see how much social media has um, changed, not just cultural norms, but the ways in which we engage with people. I find that on social media, folks are far more confrontational than they would ever be to you. Ever friends. be, ever be. Yeah, and that that is, um, I think, so real. Except there was this moment, um, I remember being with my mom. We were in Atlanta and uh, my cousin's husband had just passed. We were at DeKalb County's uh, Farmer's Market. And this man walked up to me and he was like, um, ain't you Angela Rye from the news? And I was like, uh, yeah. They didn't look like it was going to be a love fest situation, sis. But he was like already, you know, and my mom was looking like, you know, my mom is a is an OG too. And um, she was like, ready, like, what is he talking about? And so he was like, I'll be ready to cuss you out. And I was like, no, you're not. But it, was, <laughs> it was just crazy because for me, for the first time in a long time, it felt like this dude is as bold as the people who be tweeting. Like, he ain't no Twitter thug. He might be a real thug. And um, I just remember thinking that was so strange and so bizarre. So I don't know. Right now, I think especially I'm bored. I have some more time on my hands. I'm, I am doing some work, too. But I've been trying out some new things on social media. And one of the things we did yesterday was um, it's, it's supposed to be called Say Word. And it's like a debate, like a debate segment where we go back and forth with people and it's so funny because people would be like, pick me, pick me. And they come on, they'd be like, I really agree with you, though. <laughs> well, well, then you didn't hear the game, the rules of the game. The rules of the game are. <laughs> no, but it, it's just, I think that it goes to the point, though, that people um, are a lot more bolder or a lot more bold behind a keypad than they are in your face. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. But, um. So one of the things that we didn't talk about yet that I think people should know is that you are definitely my pastor. 
um, <laughs> I go to one LA whenever I'm in LA and um, you all have to split time between um, one LA and Potter's house, Denver. How is, how has that been for you? Do you feel like you have your routine down or there's still some things that you feel like I want to adjust this because it doesn't feel just perfect yet or just right yet. You know what I am learning about life? The moment that you start to feel like you have a rhythm, the rhythm <laughs> comes and just is like, you know what? We're going to change the song all together. Coronavirus. <laughs> exclusively online. It's like we just figured out a technology that would allow us to go back and forth and kind of like getting our congregations to adjust to this technology. Everyone's on board. They've adjusted to it. And now it's like, all right, now everyone's going to stay at home. And the only option you have is to watch online. Um, I think that I am constantly constantly learning who I am from season to season. Mm. I think one of the greatest mistakes that we can make is longing for who we used to be in a season that is obviously changing us, but it requires like surrendering to like, who am I now? Like you had to go from being like, you know, annual right impact strategies to now you're this CNN commentator and you're all over. And then you have to ask yourself, I'm sure you've had to ask yourself at some point, okay, this is who I was five years ago. Who am I now? And so I am asking myself that, you know, every day, really, I think it used to be like, I could wait a few months, but because the world is changing so quickly and our response to the world has to change as quickly as the world changes to really not get lost in the pace of what's happening around me and to ask myself like who am I what do I need what does this moment require of me and do I have what it takes to stand up to it or do I need help and tools and resources so I would say that we had adjusted and now we are adjusting to Mm. you know preaching in an empty room and allowing the online community to really build community within their own home how does that feel Sarah like I was I was watching and I'm like man there's no um like audience response and as much as I'm definitely not a preacher for me the um the thing that kind of keeps me going in a speech is like whether it's the head nod or you know you know them falling asleep and you're like okay or looking confused (laughs) that didn't make any sense so now it's just you up there and you just kind of got to like really trust what God gave you it is I think you know I am a conversationalist part of the reason why I like to kind of like tell stories and engage with people is because I get so nervous that when I feel like I'm having a conversation with people I have less anxiety about speaking Mm -hmm. and so I thought in a way maybe because people weren't staring at me that it would be easier then I got in the empty room and I was like this is never going to (laughs) work Now, what am I going to do now? And then, um, you know, you find your rhythm and it really comes down. I tell you what it has done. And it has made me really stand on my purpose. Like, you know what you believe when you don't have anyone in the room to (laughs) applaud what you're saying. I think a lot of times we can play into the crowds. Like, you know, we know when they like they like when we say X, Y and Z. Well, when they're not there, all you have is to stand on what you believe God is telling you to say in that moment. And that's whether you're a preacher or you are defending the rights of marginalized people like we're going to know what you really believe when it is just you and whatever message that you have to share with those people and so once I got over my norm being disrupted it really brought me back to my core like the reason why you started speaking is because you believe something about God that you felt like you needed to share Mm -hmm. and so rising to the occasion at the moment means doing it even when it feels awkward Mm mm-hmm 
So in, in addition to this, this time you talked about who you were five years ago versus who you are today and what shifted. What has that answer been for you when you're asking yourself every day? If you ask yourself today, what's that answer today? Jeez. Five years ago, I think I was concerned about whether I had a gift that could remain. I feel like for me, you know, me speaking and writing kind of caught me by surprise. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I was effective at that and that it would touch people. And then I wondered if it was sustainable or if it was just like this overnight moment Mm -hmm. that could easily be taken away from me. And what I have learned is that it wasn't necessarily the gift. It was my heart posture that made the difference. Mm -hmm. As long as I had a heart to want to serve and I didn't care what that looks like, that I would be fine. Um, I had to really break myself from needing things to stay the same way or to be on a trajectory that I understood and to really hone in more on like, what is the heart that brought you into this position? If I can maintain my heart, I think that like, you know, I'm a preacher. So I'm thinking about David, like David had to maintain his heart from being a shepherd to being king. And when we see him lose that heart posture, we see him start to lose things because he lost the heart that was connected to what promoted him. And so I kind of live in this space now where before I thought like, oh, I got to get invited here. I need to speak here. I need to write this. I had this pressure to keep performing, but now it's less of a performance and more of, a, of an existence. And I'm asking myself constantly, like, would you do it if you were doing it at the grocery store? Would you do it if the video doesn't go viral? Will you continue to share this message no matter what? And I am more confident now than I was five years ago that this is who I am and I work anywhere I go and I don't need people to validate it or approve it for it to be real. I just need to be authentic in sharing it. Oh, that's so good, Sarah. I love that for so many reasons. I think um, I have a a younger cousin who reached out to me the other day. She's going to kill me, but I'm still going to tell it. She she said that she was thinking about modeling and um, and my natural inclination was like, man, you know, there are so many people who don't have her brain. And I don't mean that, like, they don't have brains to model. It just means that, like, she has a very unique, like, academic gift. You know what I mean? Like, so I was like, well, can you do that as a side hustle? And then and she was saying that her reasons for wanting to do this were because she likes to be able to set her picture up. She knows exactly how she should look. And she can do that. I'm like, that ain't what you get to do as a model, right? Like, that's not what gets to happen. And so I asked her, I said, if you um, don't get to see the likes, like if it's not about somebody else's response to your Instagram picture, would you still want to do that? And she was like, that's a good question. And the crazy thing, Sarah, just like what you were saying a moment ago, it was something that I had to gut check myself on in that moment too. Like, what are you really putting this up for? Like, what is this? Is this, you know, is this content to feed someone? Is it to make someone laugh? Is it because you really enjoy doing it? What is the purpose? And I think it's okay for you sometimes to do something because you want to inspire someone or give them hope or give them joy. But at the heart of it, if you're miserable, yeah, then that's probably not for you. You know what I mean? If it if it really stretches you beyond the comfort zone where you've reached, it probably is not for you, at least not yet. So 
that just really resonated with me with what you were saying, because I feel like there are still some decisions that I make in my life where I'm like, this ain't really what I want to do. But there's something in me that makes me feel like I have to. Right. What is the have to? And if you look normally behind the have to, the have to is written by fear and out of fear comes desperate decisions and out of desperate decisions come you being pretty miserable, you know. So, yeah, what you just said was really resonate resonating with me. Um, there's so many questions I have. So one of the things that I, I love about you is your hustle. Like you have you are, you know, this amazing preacher and teacher, prayer warrior. Y'all, she will pray in your text messages. Um <laughs> You are like wise beyond your years. And sometimes I hate when people say that because it sounds like an affront to young folks. You are younger than me, but I feel like you got the wisdom of a praying church grandmother, (laughs) not just a mother. And also like Fashionista through Women Evolve, like this dope organization, Women Evolve, where you're doing these conferences, you're doing tours all over the country. And I'm just like, Sarah, don't sleep, bro. Like she, she I'm not fire right now. <laughs> no. What, um, what, what does your sleep schedule look like? And how do you have all that energy to do all this stuff? Um, I sleep is really important to me. I want to start off by saying that it is my best friend in the whole world. I love it so much. Um, and we have six children, which, and you know, they all live in the black Brady bunch over there. Okay, It is a whole thing. I try to only do things that are are organic to my passion Mm -hmm. and that I can kind of all make work together. So I think it looks like maybe more work than it is. Not to say that it's not a lot of work, but I don't do a lot of random stuff. Everything I do is tied together. So I actually, I taught this message about like God being a God of systems, how everything he does work together. I think even this virus shows that humanity all works together, right? It's a system. And so I think if you're going to build anything that it needs to have a system, like you can't just randomly say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that because you're going to be stretched so thin. But when everything you do kind of works together and you see how it works together, Mm -hmm. then I think it's easier to accomplish more while doing less. And so I try to make everything that I do from Women Evolve, the clothing line, to the podcast, to the tours and conferences, down to even what we do within our ministries, all work towards a common goal. And because I have that going, that helps me a lot. I think the other thing is when I'm tired, I just admit that I'm tired. And I try not to be uh, the strong friend and superwoman all of the time. And I let my team know when I'm struggling. Like, this week ain't my week. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, this, I know you need me to do this, but this the week that I'm going to be able to do that. And it helps them to see that I'm also human as well. And I extend them the same grace too, because when you do have a lot of stuff going on, it taxes your team as well. And so I try to be patient with them. So when we're on, we're on, like when we're touring, we're preparing for the tour, we're preparing for conference. Like I expect you to be available 24 seven because we in the fire. And when we're off and I'm at home, like I expect you to go to the beach or take a drive down to Orange County and get what you need. Because when it's time for us to be off, I want you to be all the way down as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, growing up with the parents you have, did that, um, does that, that the fact that like, well, number one, I can't remember a bigger conference than women that are loose, like growing up yeah. in church. You know what I mean? Like, does, do you think that that is at all shaped 
your drive and the way that you see these systems because you saw them happening. Like really your dad, Sarah, and your mom, because I think your mama don't get enough credit. I agree. Um, yeah, I think that like ha- having them doing that in front of you, even as a child, had to guide what you think are systems and what makes sense in terms of connectivity for reaching people in the kingdom and outside the kingdom. Do you think that they that influenced you in the way in which you move now quite a bit? Definitely. And I think that that is really important for parents to understand mm-hmm. that at the end of the day, you determine what's normal for your child. So it is not abnormal for me to think that I can do X, Y, and Z and it can all work together because that is what was normal for me. I think one of the things that I try to encourage you know, couples as they're building their families and determining what their life is going to look like, that you get to determine what's normal. If it's a toxic relationship, then that becomes normal. They don't see it as toxic. You know, it's toxic, but that is their normal. And people are always going to first start where what is normal with them before reaching beyond the norm. And so certainly I was exposed to, um, my dad really felt like he could do anything, you know, like I can preach and I can make movies and I can be at the Grammys one weekend and then be at a revival the week after that. And so it really did take the limits off of what I thought was possible. Now, to dream it is one thing, to actually activate it and put it into structure and system is another. I don't feel like I was exposed that much to the inner workings of it. I think I got to live in the overflow of what happened. So I was, you know, taken back, taken aback at how hard it is to build something from the ground up. And to take an idea that is in your head and literally manifest it. And my father is definitely like a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of person. So it's not like, hey, I'm going to give you my team. I'm going to give you a check. I don't. I know that that has been someone's testimony, but my father's like, oh, if that's your dream, you better start saving for it. And you better start working towards it. And, <laughs> and then once it's established and he sees that you're not going to be wasting his time and money and resources, he'll be like, okay, well, maybe you could talk to someone over here about making that next dimension of your deal really explode but he wants to see that you're going to work for it and I think part of me having my son at 13 you know as challenging as that was it really taught me like you're going to have to work you're going to have to get up when you don't feel like you're going to have to feed this baby you're going to have to finish school because you're going to be the only one who's able to provide a future for him my parents didn't really hand us things even though we lived within their overflow Mm -hmm. and so I think that hustle really started from my trauma that's why people are always saying that you can turn your pain into purpose because your pain is there to teach you lessons and there's wisdom in those moments and when you learn to activate and channel them into health and growth I think that you're uh, experienced a version of yourself you didn't know existed wow and I think that's the other thing too Sarah like even watching this um this Clark sisters biopic which I think I text you about a little bit um that to me was so deep. There's so it was some triggers that it hit for me. Let's um, talk about it. Huh? I said, let's talk about it. Yeah, triggers that it hit for me, and there were things that about the church that I just like rem- remembered fondly, you know. And one of the things in the movie that frustrated me was, um, you know, when Denise gets pregnant um, yeah. of, of the Clark sisters and out of wedlock and like all of the things that it, you know, create the controversy that it creates in church. Um, I remember Sarah, and I, I don't think I've ever told you this, but I had this parachurch ministry called Young Women of Virtue in college. 
And part of the thing was me starting it because I oppose like the way that church folks and I'm not talking about the children of God, but church folks did people who, you know, had a baby out of wedlock. So we started this thing so that we could give women baby showers. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, in, in my church anyway, I know it's not all churches, but in my church that you couldn't have a baby shower if you had, if you were yeah. a, a, pre, a teenage mother, like you're not. And it's like, why are you punishing the child? So of, of some of your experiences, um, with being pregnant so early, were, were there moments where you were like, how is this godly? How are y'all acting, you know, godly towards my child who had nothing to do with this? Or to me, who, um, as, as my pastor used to say, and I think this part is right, made a, you know, seemingly a, made a mistake. Um, but and I got caught, but y'all didn't. Right. Like you. Right. So what was that experience like for you? I uh, my parents were supportive in that they, you know, didn't. There's just so many PKs who have experienced their parents being the ones who added to their trauma. I didn't experience that with my parents, but what I experienced from the church, I think it's just like social media. You scroll past all the good comments and the negative ones are the ones that stand out the most to you. Those uh, negative moments, like people to, I needed to get up in front of the church and apologize. And my father's like, absolutely not. And, you know, this lady sent me this blanket and she talked about because I had my baby out of wedlock that my baby was going to die. And she was sending this blanket for me to bury my baby in. I think that that is the number one reason why I always said I would never be in ministry. It's just, Mm -hmm. I didn't, one, I didn't want to have to look at those same people who felt like I wasn't qualified. And I think that what has made perhaps my ministry, what it is, is that I went back for girls like me. I went back for people who, you know, needed someone to say, I still want to figure out who God is, even though I've been scarred and I've been wounded. I, I feel like I went back for the lost sheep. And uh, I'm protective over the church because when we say, you know, the church says this, the church says that, well, like I'm a part of the church, so I can't talk about something that I am a part of. That doesn't mean that I let things slide, but I am protective about like not jumping on that bandwagon of, oh, this is why I don't go to church. This is why I don't do church. Yeah. Because I'm trying to win people over into the kingdom, right? And I don't want to be creating division within the kingdom while building the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes building the kingdom means inspecting the areas of the kingdom that are shaky, that are causing pain and issues and trauma. But I try to make sure that at least I can tell people that with my own life and my own character and my own integrity. I can tell you that God is real. I can tell you that you don't have to be perfect. I can tell you that it doesn't mean that things are going to be easy, but that all things are going to work together for your good. And I think that if we can all take responsibility for our role, that maybe it will in, uh, decrease the damage of people who, um, you know, I don't even know if I can say that with good intentions, try to protect the word, but um, have certainly caused a lot of hurt and a lot of pain within people. I think if I were talking to someone now who's listening and they're like, you know, I kind of don't do church now because of what I've experienced, that I would just tell them that there's still good ones left. Yeah. That, that bad experience doesn't have to define all of us. And at your own time and in your own way, when you're ready to dip your toe back in the water, that is if you do it again, that this time, don't let the people turn you off from God altogether. 
We meet a lot of people, especially in LA, who are like, you know, oh, I stopped coming to church because <laughs> whatever reason, fill in the blank, and I'm kind of on a journey now. And I try not to condemn them. Condemn them. I try to give them room to be on whatever journey they're on. Because one thing I know about God is when I was on my journey, He found a way back to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that as long as we give people room. People need room. They need room. Like, I think part of the reason why religion is so annoying to people is that it doesn't give you any room. You can't ask any questions. You just got to do what you're told to do and it. And you got to deal with the pain and never ouch and trust God and God's going to all things are working together for your good but what about the fact that it's not working it doesn't look like it's working right now we don't give people room and so I think one of the best things that we can do is to give people room and there are a lot of church communities that I feel are growing and developing into that Mm -hmm. but it's taking time and you got to be patient with us the same way you'd have to be patient with a therapist as you're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work that's the same thing with the church yeah, we write church off quick. We treat church like we treat black owned businesses. Like you For go sure. one time one time, you got one time to get it right. And if you yeah. don't get it right this one time, I ain't going to none of y'all no more. Like that's- <laughs> but Target can overcharge right. you and charge you twice for something. But I'm gonna come back next week. Y'all better have y'all stuff together. <laughs> I'm gonna come back tomorrow. Like that most definitely it is it is it is amazing what we will extend grace to and what we won't. But um I, the other thing I'm curious about is is how you're using this time. So I I do want to acknowledge, um, I think for both of us, a point of privilege is we can shelter in place because there's roofs over our heads. Um, You know, there are, there are spaces that I think we both tap into creatively and spiritually. That means that we can flow a little different than people who have to decide whether or not they're going to jeopardize their livelihood by being the essential worker that goes to work. But saying all that and not brushing any of that aside, because I know it's all serious and the folks who can't use this time because they're not well, they're sick with the virus or any other way. Um, How have you used this time? What has this time meant to you? What has God spoken to you um, while you've been, you know, on saying lockdown, even lockdown is a point of privilege because there's people really on lockdown in jail, right? Um, but what has this time meant for you and how have you, how have you shifted spiritually and energetically as a result of what I think has really been a reset for so many of us? Well, when this first started, I was really tired. I had just come off of tour, like literally just came off of tour and was thinking we're going to go on vacation. I had a few more speaking things to do. And then the world shifted. Like it felt like I left the world one place on tour and I came back and it was in another space. Mm -hmm. And I had to really give myself permission in those first couple of weeks to like rest and recalibrate because I do think I instantly felt this need to kind of like, okay, well, you're home. You can't just be sitting at home. You're going to get lazy. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You need to kind of hustle. But I gave myself permission to rest, Mm -hmm. connect with my husband and family. I think that what I'm really doing is allowing creativity for my next to come to me. I think when this first started that I probably underestimated how long it was going to be around. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, in a few weeks, we'll be out of this. And what do you want to be your testimony when we're out of this? And now I'm beginning to see that like life as we knew it may not come back for quite some time. And yeah. in some cases, it's not at all. And so I'm kind of 
I'm trying to be sensitive to not wanting things to work in a way that I am familiar with mm-hmm. and being open to the possibilities. And I think that really comes from a place of peace and stillness and allowing creativity to come to me. Mm-hmm. So creativity has created everything that's in my life right now, that everything started with an idea and that idea come came from a place of rest. And so I'm trying to balance the need to get things done mm-hmm. and to push into a complete projects, but also leave space for creativity and rest. And honestly, to just like not be a machine. Mm-hmm. I think that when I get, and, and you're like this, cause you are, you travel more than I do. And I no, travel. I don't think that, I think it might no. be about, it might be equal. No. When you go, you're going Sarah. So yeah. I think, yeah, like my busy times are like the first quarter of the year. Like it's nonstop, gen- like Martin Luther King Day to Women's History Month, except for I had five things canceled in Women's History Month. Yeah. But like you, when you're like on tour, your tour dates are just as compact, I think, as like my speeches. Well, I don't know, man. I, I know <laughs> that for sure. I need um, I need something fresh. And I think that I need to not know. I hate it because on one hand, I love having stability. I love having routine. But I also know that I am not at my best when I can guess what my tomorrow is. Mm-hmm. That I'm really at my best when I'm kind of depending on God for what next is going to be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm learning to release the control that I like mm-hmm. to have over my life. Oh, yes. <laughs> Lord release the control that I like to have over my life and to wake up each day saying, what does today hold? What creativity is in today? And I don't mean just creativity for my work and my career, but like for my marriage, for my children, like cooking all of the time. What you been cooking? (laughs) That's what I want to talk about. What you been cooking? I I had to go shallow for a minute because I'm hangry right now. (laughs) <laughs> I need to get some food. What you been cooking? Because people don't know that that y'all can cook. The Jakeses can cook. Okay, y'all. Who likes to cook? I mean, so, and that's the other thing is like, so now I need to come up with like, so I've been doing like salmon salads yeah. and like trying to be healthy. But my staples, especially in stressful seasons, come down to like pound cake, fried yes. chicken, homemade biscuits. So I need to break that Oh, I need a homemade biscuit um, um, recipe. I got a recipe that's going to change your that's life. That's what we should have did today, made some doggone biscuits, because I made some biscuits the other day, and them things was hard in three seconds. I was Do like, you I follow can't... various cooks on Instagram? Who? Sis. This man cooks. What? Okay, he I need to look at him. His name is Darius? Darius cooks. I'm gonna send it to you. He all he does is cook, and he be posting stuff of him eating it, and it makes me hungry. <laughs> but he's got this cream cheese biscuit recipe that yes. it's like a Popeyes biscuit at its finest, like the finest of a Popeyes biscuit. Oh it's my just God. light and airy and. Sarah, you gotta send me this today because that's the thing. Like I know that like I have not been. Um, I've not been outwardly stressed, right, about this. But there are moments where I feel like the anxiety rising a little bit. They definitely did when the earthquake hit the other day. woke me up, felt like my whole house was waving. But why didn't nobody else feel the earthquake? My husband felt it, but there's eight people in my house, and there was only three of us. I'm like, the whole earth is moving right now. Period. And I was like, let me tell you how I responded, because you hit hit control. We're going to go back to the biscuits. But you hit control in this um, room. And I'm like, I just got... Can you just give me like 
partial credit because I understand I'm controlling. But like, can you not shake? Because I was like, yo, we already got the pandemic. Okay, like, I don't know what types of signs we need from the book of Revelation, but like, (laughs) is the world ending right now? Like, you just gonna crack open the earth and it's all about to sink. So I'm getting up like, I'm about to go. And I don't know where I'm going, but I was about to go. I was about to run, which also was crazy because I talked to my therapist earlier today. I was like, so I'm still dealing with running from stuff because I was getting up and about to run from an earthquake. Where was I going? Where was I going? I was ready to go. Anyway. But yeah, I still got my control issues. I'm working through them. Was that your first earthquake? No. So I in Seattle, you know, I'm from Seattle. There mm-hmm. was an earthquake. The last earthquake I remember that was really bad. It was um, when I was in college and I like drove um, well, like it, it shook. We were we were in class and I called my dad. I was like, I couldn't get to him at first because all the lines were messed. Then I called him. I was like, Daddy, you need to meet me in the CD. That's the Central District because I was coming from University of Washington. I was like, meet me in the CD so I could follow you home because I wasn't about to drive home by myself. <laughs> And he met me like I'm like, but my dad was like, come on, baby, let's get some eat. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah, like I'll, I've never done earth. I've always been running from the earthquake. So the thing is, like if the earth check again, I'm be on a path to running. But if it's just I mean, it's running right with me. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you go, I go. So right. <laughs> you, know, you can't escape this. Sis. Oh, that's so bad. But yeah, I um, I've been stressed cooking for sure i'm eating some of it i definitely have gained a good four pounds my stretch pants elastic was tight the other day so that's <laughs> i knew i needed an intervention so this week's been you know i've been eating a little cleaner but it's been okay it's a struggle i don't know and i saw you cook some little nice stuff online but i was like she ain't telling us all that she makes she making something that's not as healthy as a salmon salad yeah, I have been. I mean, I have to. I have to balance it because I, food is my love language, Girl. and I enjoy it a lot. So I can't fully let myself go the way that I would want to. <laughs> One thing I have maintained though is like there will be some type of sugar in this house. I am not going to go through a pandemic and not have some type of cake or cookie just on standby. Yes. I don't have to eat it, but it needs to be available to me if I need it. What's available right now? I just want to know. Because I might have to send an Uber to go get me one. What is Chocolate cookies are available right now. I have a carrot cake recipe that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, a chocolate cake recipe that I just, I got a steady rotation around here is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, I won't do it. I love that so much. Um, I really do. I really, really do. And I, I hope that on the other side of this, um, for everybody who's able, that we are okay with resetting like everything does not need to go back the way it was right right what do you think there was this piece that came out um i think that was yesterday that talked about some of the things that we could afford to leave behind and to Mm -hmm. like what do you think are some of those things what should we be leaving behind Mm. you know i was uh writing something for woman evolve and i was talking about how when I went to the grocery store for the first time after everything popped off, like people had on their mask and their gloves, people, we can, we need to keep washing our hands, but, um, Damn. Damn. <laughs> we need to 
my hands. I didn't even, I'm not even going to act like I was washing my hands the way that they tell us to wash our hands because I'm not. I mean, I was washing my hands the way they taught me in preschool, which is like boom, 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 bam. Mm-hmm. But like this whole, the way we wash our hands now, we need to keep that. But anyways, when I was at the grocery store, I saw these people in their masks and their gloves and I kept thinking to myself, man, like everyone is just one exposure away from their life being radically changed. Right. And I felt so much empathy for everyone I walked past. Like, I wonder if they're going to be exposed. I wonder if they have been exposed. I just saw people. I didn't just see someone who was standing in my way in the aisle. I saw someone who was going through this similar trauma that I was going through. And as I was writing, I really felt like I shouldn't need a pandemic to show me that. That I should walk around every day looking at people, realizing that they are one divorce one job loss, one phone call, one disease away from having their life radically changed. Mm -hmm. I think that that is true, whether we're in a pandemic or not. And I think in the same light, like when, even when I was at the, when I was checking out at the grocery store, I told the lady, like, thank you guys for everything you're doing, Mm -hmm. which they're also like one kind exposure, one Mm -hmm. kind gesture, one loving gesture away from having their day a little bit lighter. And I think it is really teaching us that I don't think we can afford to go back to is how connected we are as a humanity. Mm-hmm. I think that even for our civil rights issues to recognize that we do not live in silos. Part of the reasons why we're yelling so loudly that Black Lives Matter is because if they do not matter in this world, then this world will not be what it is. We are all connected. So our problem is your problem yeah. and our issues are your issues. And you need to be as alarmed as we are when we see ourselves struggling because if we are away, this whole world collapses. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we are intentional about recognizing we may not live in the same places, but we depend on the same system and we need the system to work for everyone so that we can all be healthy and whole and become better than then if we live there, then I think that we will see a decrease in a lot of issues that plagued us before the pandemic. Man, and I like even the point you just raised about the one kind exposure it is the acknowledgement. So on the Black Lives Matter piece, y'all, this is why this is my pastor, okay? But um, <laughs> on the Black Lives Matter piece, do you know, like, all, like, so many folks in our community just want it just to be seen, like, for who they really are, not as three-fifths, not as less than, not as an essential worker, but as I've been saying, not an essential worker, but an essential life. Like, if yeah. that bridge could be crossed, like, if the church could say that, if, um, and I know it's not all true, but I'm saying as a whole, yeah. Um, if the government could say that local state and federal, if your job could say that like life would shift for so many people and they would be empowered in real legitimate ways. Like, okay, now I can embrace and walk in my gifts and my talents. Okay. Now I can go forth and help someone else because you just see me like, that's the crazy thing. Well, I'll tell you, part of me living in that intersection Mm -hmm. of, you know, these white and black church worlds means that I am exposed a lot to the white ignorance. And I don't even mean ignorance in a defamatory kind of way. I mean, literally, they don't see it like they just don't see it until they adopt a black child from Africa or they adopt a black child from the foster care system. And they see how differently their child is treated than they were. And I think that 
you know, one of the hopes that I have in being able to speak into both communities is to make blackness real. Like, and I don't go in there and try to like whitewash myself. So like, I'm going to give you this word, but I'm still going to be me. I'm going to be talk- like, is my wig on? All right. Hold on. Let me check. <laughs> let me check. Like, hold- you know what I mean? Like I need to make blackness real for them because I am no different than the black girl who you see on the street. My husband is an incredible black man who is from Watts. Like you don't know who you're stepping over in the process of you coming up. And I think that the more that we can make it real, whether it's through a pandemic, and that's why I think when we talk about all things working together for the good, it doesn't mean that all things feel good. It doesn't mean that all things uh, don't have grief connected to them. But the good that can come out of this is to really see that we are real people. Mm -hmm. And I think that the more that we can have people who speak out and speak up, that we'll see that change. No, Chad, I'm on an interview. Don't. Chad, 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 come. Chad, come. Who is that? Kenzie? (laughs) Please don't know. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Oh, come here. Um, you know, we talked, I, I had a lot of little shady moments with the, with the, did you see me lean trying to see the baby? I'm like, where's the baby? Hi. Um, hi. <laughs> visor, it's hot outside. Just wearing a visor, it's hot outside. You cute, girl, you cute. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, mommy. Bye. Um, I said a lot of, you know, my shady jokes about the church. <laughs> I won't continue, but um, one of my favorite moments um, in church, anything was with you. We did um, at Woman Evolve, the first Woman Evolve. Mm-hmm. You had this pajama conversation that was epic. Like it was me and you and Cora, and it was Caitlin, right? Caitlin was there. Yes. Uh-huh. And it was just this. Um, you know, I forgot we were on stage for a minute. It was yeah. like. This real raw, like we sitting here like a wait and exhale movie in our pajamas, like shooting the stuff, talking about everything from, you know, fertility issues to relationships and, you know, all of that and how that intersects with the church. And it was so powerful. And I think the one hope I have for the church is that they are able Um, Each individual person is able to live their raw, real, transparent, authentic self like you are. There just really is no gap um, from your public appearance to um, who you are on my text or on, you know, in that pajama moment. And I'm just I'm grateful for that because I think that it shows people that they can say cuz 10 times in one sentence if they choose to (laughs) with their child (laughs) or you know or and pray in the next sentence you know pray in the next moment and um I love that you will call me to the carpet you know at this and and, and on one hand and in this next sentence be encouraging and inspiring and I just am so nobody calls Angela Rye to the carpet nobody does (laughs) Just remember, you heard it here first. And if I need the screenshot, I will. (laughs) She's like, oh, no, not the text. But no, I I just am grateful for that. And I hope that um, in this moment to reset for all of us that we will at least do that. I feel like we owe that to ourselves and we owe that to every organization, every business that we start. Like we owe that to ourselves to be exactly who we are. Like what are we trying to become and for what, you know? And I think if we're able to do that, then life won't be as exhausting. Life is really exhausting when you have to be different people no matter where you go. When you're performing. 
Yes. Putting on. Yeah. 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 Trying to and keep I, up. That's why you see some of the greatest performers, like when they're performing, they're performing. And then when they're not, they are off Instagram for three months. I'm thinking of Beyonce. I was worried about her during this pandemic. I was oh. like, Beyonce ain't posted. How are the kids doing? She's like, I'm at home minding my business. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, and that's a whole other thing. If y'all don't know, Sarah is big on y'all minding your business. Oh, goodness. It'll bless <laughs> your life. It'll change your whole life. <laughs> right. I'm like, that's like, enough business right somebody mind their business right now this podcast is almost over but you're not minding your business he's not going to let you escape minding your business in this season well preach a word Sarah tell me how to preach that word at least since they didn't want me to learn how to preach from you tell me how to tell me how to preach the mind your business word tell me how to spread that message how to evangelize that you know it starts with self Mm -hmm. I think that when we begin to mind our business that we encourage other people to do the same and when people ask you questions that are none of their business you can say you see how many times I asked you about your relationship not a one that's how I like to maintain my life huh no <laughs> I know that's not what you say. You that's say what that. I be wanting to tell people on Instagram. They be like, "Ooh, you you gaining weight?" I be like, "How many times have I talked to you today about your weight? Not a one." Okay, did they really say me. that on there? People say anything on social Girl, media. I'm about to be checked now. You know, you shouldn't have told me that. Because I'm out here trying to free myself from my former self, and now I went right back in. Now that we're live streaming, like we brought the cameras in closer, because usually there are people in the room, so the live stream experience is a little distant. So we brought the cameras in closer. But you know, this stage is up on stairs, so one of the angles is like right up underneath, and nobody wins when the camera is right up underneath. Try it, try it everybody. Try it. <laughs> nobody wins when it's up there like that. No. So I don't know. People need to leave me alone. But the other thing is, I want people to know in this moment because I am like the protective big sister even though she be sounding like the boss um (laughs) for Sarah like y'all run up on her if you want to like try me like test test my salvation run up on me if you want to or my sister okay like I'm not playing if I see the comments like that I'm gonna drag you like I had a whole I had to probably rededicate my life yesterday because somebody said something crazy on my comments while me and Lenar were live for our sibling rivalry. Which is hilarious. I try, you know, I try to mind my business. But when I see him commenting, <laughs> you know, I try not to laugh at it. You so rude. I just was defending you. And here you go talking about. He had, I, t- I, th- I told so many people this, but like my first red carpet picture ever. Well, it was it wasn't red, but it was a BT Awards thing. I'm like, they were like, Angela, turn around so we can see the back address. My whole back was out. So I'm like this and the thing. And I'm like. You're real uncomfortable. That's the picture that Lenard decides to go under and says, your back is ashy. (laughs) First of all, my back wasn't ashy. Second of all, you see I look super insecure and uncomfortable in this picture. And that's the one you go after. The other thing that has happened multiple times on this um, live podcast is we've been talking about, you know, our most uh, fragile moments growing up. Sixth grade, like I had peach fuzz. Okay, I had peach fuzz in sixth grade. Share your testimony. Oh yeah, and and I and I started telling him. I'm like, I started to get laser hair removal later, but I was doing all kinds of stuff, tweezing. I shave it off. I was doing all kinds of stuff. Lenard, every podcast now is like your mustache, some some some. Don't you picking at my insecurities? Right, and that's what I said. And I was like, that's okay. I'm gonna get you back. Take your hat off, Caroline. Oh. But anyway, my point in saying all this to y'all is don't do that to Sarah because I'll fight you. 
<laughs> and don't do it to Angela because I really won't have it. Now, I will say that when but you're trying to laugh. No, I'm going to laugh with you, but then I'm going to have to get them together. I'm going to have to be Eve. I believe you know, that. Who knows better but doesn't do better. I'm going to let Eve handle them, and then I'm going to be nice to you. <laughs> you know what I do tell people? Like, right. Because I think on social media, like if someone says something crazy to me, it's one thing. If I say something back, then they're like, oh, you're a pastor. You're supposed to be doing this. But what I have decided to do, this is going to challenge you and some of your listeners, right? Okay. Is to be vulnerable about how it made me feel. Yeah. You see, people, when you respond in vitriol it gives them something to go back and forth with yeah. but when you say something like I'm actually kind of self-conscious about that and so I'm like sometimes I've deleted a comment and DM someone like I'm sure you didn't mean any harm but what you said kind of plays into an insecurity that I have wow. so I went ahead and removed that and maybe you can just be conscious in the future that I'm not just a public figure I'm a person and so Ooh. I would ask that you respect that and there's not really a whole lot you can say but what I really said though is mind your business you know what I'm saying but I <laughs> To bring it full circle. <laughs> have you received, this is my last question on this. Have you received anything back where you were like, really? Or has it all been like you melted somebody away, melted the, the defensiveness and the craziness away? Like they are coming at you because they are also insecure about something. That's why they got time. No, I've never had me go to someone in vulnerability, turn around, and then someone's just like said something crazy to me. But I do think it does come down to really knowing who you're talking to. Like there are some people who are literally just trolling, just and I don't. Trolls. Yeah, I just block them. But when people who I think like I've maybe seen you liking my stuff or commenting on my stuff, or you said something where tone would really make the difference, so I can't decipher, then I will say something. Then, yeah. but um, I, when I do it like that, I'm telling you what I, what's from the heart reaches the heart mm. it's something that's from the heart if there's any humanity in a person they can at least see it from I a different that. perspective Ooh, i love that sarah that's a word that's a whole gym well i am grateful sis for you spending this time with me i did miss you and part of this was selfish i just wanted to lay my <laughs> eyes on you and I can't wait to get my biscuit recipe. So I got two things out of this deal. I texted it to you. It's waiting on you. Let me know when you make them. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm going to send you a picture as long as they come out right. I made some yeah. crab cakes last night that fell apart. Oh, she better not. I tried <laughs> I tried to do it without breadcrumbs because I was like, let me do this without. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that didn't work. So. What do you use? Like eggs? What do you oh, yeah, egg and a little bit of flour. But it just and I tried to use gluten free flour. Um, no, sis. You, you know that gluten-free, like, we bless the Lord for the gluten-free. Don't do that. My mama's gluten-free. <laughs> I know, but we need something now. They be trying to give you that gluten-free bread and stuff. It, it doesn't do what the it needs. The gluten-free English muffins are good. You should oh, try really? Yes. Okay. But I'm anyway, I will, I'm going to try this crab cake situation again. I was sad. Put it on a biscuit. Make them biscuits. <laughs> Make a crab cake biscuit. There's some oil on that. I feel something on that. Listen, listen, okay? I hear you. Well, anyway, I'm going to call you later to talk about this Clark Sisters because we didn't finish. It was amazing. But I so am, um, I'm so appreciative of you spending this time with me. And um, I know you're in the middle of homeschooling and building some new business. What's coming next? Tell me what's, tell me what's coming next and how we can support you. That's important. 
I am working on a new podcast series where I'm just interviewing people about their journey to evolving. So I've been doing interviews for that. I enjoy it. That's the next time I'm going to stalk you. Yeah. And, you know, the world is shifting. So I'm looking at some virtual experiences and tools and resources that help women to really manifest the dimensions of their purpose and destiny. So yes. Well, I am here for all of that. You know, I'm going to call away. I'm going to enlist you in trying to figure out how we're going to get church people to vote in the fall and yes. to fill out the census. You know the problem? Look, okay. Did no, you probably, this is the problem. <laughs> I have to be careful. Okay. No, so, no, 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 no. Say it like you tell me in text. Tell me. This, this tell is me. the problem. There are some, first of all, neither party fully represents the beliefs of a fundamental Christian. Okay. Yeah. Which means that you end up having to pick like the lesser of two evils. Mm -hmm. And there are some issues that are so important to some Christians that they are willing to compromise in areas that are unthinkable for other Christians. That's right. And I think that it's difficult for us to even tell people to vote without telling them who to vote for. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes that is an abuse of our platform because we're leading them in a direction that it ends up creating division within the church. So we need tools on how to tell people to vote without telling them who to necessarily vote for doesn't go up against uh, some of the issues that are really important. It's really hard Mm -hmm. because abortion is a hard line issue in a lot of Christian communities. But black lives actually do matter. And the education system is really important. And unfortunately, I think the beliefs that would really get us there don't always lie within one particular party. So that's the, I'm I'm telling you that's, I think that's the greatest challenge that the church has is empowering people to vote while not telling them who to vote for. Because if you say no, tell them who to vote for too, then you are going to have people who say, no, abortion is a serious issue. We've got to go with Trump. It doesn't matter. Lives matter. But then you're going to have people who reflect beliefs that we have where we say, no, the education system, the disparities in the black community, the criminal justice system are just as important as a woman's right to keep her baby. And so this is where I fall on the fence. And it creates so much division in the church that I do think it's easier to just kind of say vote, vote, vote without really getting into the issues. That's the great. I think that's the greatest issue that we have. Yeah, I get that. I get that. It's a tough one um, because yeah, there's, it's, it's, you're supposed to help me. Well, I'm ready to help. I'm ready to help. I'm ha- I'm happy to have that conversation, and we shall. We can have a whole conversation about that. But I am. I'm so grateful for your time. I am um, hope filled, and I'm so happy to see you. And um, I can't wait for church on the live stream. Just know I'll be I'll be back there. Amen. And y'all, okay. Especially when you come do the prayer. You can get it if since she didn't teach us all the way how to pray today <laughs> or preach. I failed this class. No, okay. you didn't. No, you didn't. I know. I got a biscuit recipe out of this. Um, I think that the greatest uh, message for today is to mind your business. Amen. And um, also just to remember our humanity and the interconnectedness of it all. And I think that is um, the greatest message we can preach. You can pray with us, though, Sarah. You know, there's a lot of people out here on prayer calls that ain't never been on a prayer call in their life because of coronavirus. (laughs) So maybe you can take us out in prayer anyway. This is my prayer warrior, y'all. I love Sarah's prayers. Okay, here we go. Yeah. 
Uh, Father, I thank you for the gift of relationship and friendship that even through a podcast, we can feel connected to someone who reflects our heart and hopes for this world and humanity. I don't believe that this time has been by coincidence, nor has it been random. I believe that even throughout this time together, that someone has a new way of looking at things. Maybe it's faith, maybe it's politics, maybe it's even race. Father, it is my prayer that whatever they received in this moment would just be a seed. And that as your word says, you would continue to bring people who will water it and that the sun will shine on it. And what took place in this moment will take root and produce fruit. Father, I'm praying for peace. I'm praying for faith. I'm praying for creativity. But most importantly, Father, teach us how to rest in the midst of the unknown, just like Jesus was sleeping in that boat in the middle of the storm. Father, may we lay hold of that level of rest. So, Father, speak to the storm as only you can do. And when the storm won't cease, allow us to find rest in the midst of it all. We dedicate this time over to you. We say thank you. Thank you for this love. Thank you for this friendship. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, sis. I um I definitely want people to support you. Women Evolve is a whole thing. Sarah Jakes Roberts on the gram and everywhere is a whole thing. Make sure y'all subscribe to this YouTube channel too. YouTube.com slash Angela Rye and um, Sarah. Just thank you. Love you so much. I love everybody hugs. I will. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. For all my children of the light, born in the sinning, but steady striving to do right. My people are warriors. All we know is to fight. Pray. They see God in everything I write. Yeah.